from Relay FM. This is Upgrade, episode 412. Today's show is brought to you by Sourcegraph, Squarespace, and Magic Lasso Adblock. My name is Mike Hurley, and I'm joined by Jason Snell. Hi, Jason Snell. Hi, Mike Hurley. How are you? I'm good. Do you know why? You're home. You're well, home. I'm home, and it is the Summer of Fun! Still, oh. that feels so good to be able to do with like about 60% lung capacity. So it was just a quick update about Mike Hurley. I am not I'm not. I'm COVID free. I'm, I no longer have coronavirus. I tested negative right. on the day that we traveled home, but I am still suffering with symptoms. Uh, still my, symptomatic. Yeah. So I'm working on that with doctors and all that kind of stuff because I'm still suffering, uh, which is a shame. That summer of fun actually really hurt my chest. I shouldn't have done that. Is now I now realize that was bad for me. Well, it hurt. It hurt me a little bit too. I have, I have a, I have, I have a rib injury. So yes, it also oh, hurt God, me. Oh God, yeah. This this summer of fun is treacherous. We yeah, but we got to do it. That's what we makes it fun, it. I guess. I have a hashtag snail talk question for you. It comes from Logan. Logan okay. wants to know: Do you move the cursor on your iPhone when typing mm-hmm. by either holding on the space bar and you know moving it around with the swiping? Or yep. by using the magnifier in the text body area, you know, like pressing and holding and seeing the little magnifier pop up. What do you do? Uh, I tap and hold on the space bar. Yep, me too. And I worked out why. I was thinking about this because mm-hmm. this question, I had a little pause in my brain. And the reason was they took away the magnifier for a while. Do you remember that? Mm. And they I, brought I, it back. But it's So it's I'm... An iPad primary, not an iPhone yep. primary. So yep. I'm mostly doing the you know two finger down mm-hmm. on the keyboard yeah. thing. Mm-hmm. But on my phone, it's definitely that the spacebar thing. Yeah, I yep. think they did take it away and then bring it back. A little loop and all of that. And the um, magnifier is, is better now than it's ever been. It looks yes. nicer. It works better. But I just got so used to not doing it that I don't do it anymore. And I realized that on the iPad, I tend to just tap around even though the magnifier uh. exists. It's uh, it's also nice to see where the cursor is going, whereas with the metal magnifier loop thing, you have to your fingers over the actual text and you're yeah. looking through the magnifier to try and find where you need to be. And it's yeah. Anyway, that's that's my answer, Logan. This We're watching in real time as other upgradians listening live in our members' Discord are also realizing the magnifier loop came back. So like this that's is nice. a thing that happened to me. I was like. Hang on a minute. <laughs> and it, yeah, it's there again. I knew it, but I'd forgotten it because there was a time when it didn't exist. They brought it back, but by that point, I'd learned a new way of doing things, like like many others. And I do like the, the cursor movement on the keyboard, either on the iPad or the iPhone better anyway, to be honest. Yeah, no, it's good. If you'd like to send in a Snell Talk question of your own to help open an episode, just send out a tweet with the hashtag Snell Talk or use question mark Snell Talk in the RelayFM members Discord. What is better? I totally, I, I don't right? know if I've ever even seen this. It's like, oh. Look. This is one of those things. It came back at some point. I don't remember when. It's not important. And we obviously knew it. But by that point, like we used it that one time. Oh, yeah, it is back. And then just went back doing what we got used to. But Which the, is the magnifier is better. I think it may have left during a beta period, but like it was a long period, and then I maybe they brought it back so. for the release. I don't I remember. think it was like it left for a point oh and came back for a point one or something. Oh but. yeah, that's a good. Yeah, that that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. Yep. To celebrate the summer of fun, you can upgrade oh. your wardrobe once again. Mm. We have I think a brand you mean new... upgrade your wardrobe. 
com once again. Exactly. I, w- I was going to get to that. UpgradeYourWardrobe.com. <laughs> we have a new tee, the new Summer of Fun t-shirt celebrating the joys of summer, beaches, yep. iPhones, and surf rock. That and is pineapples. Th- and pineapples, naturally. Uh, you can go to UpgradeYourWardrobe.com and you can find the brand new Summer of Fun t-shirt in a variety of colors. We've got this year. It's a beautiful new design put together yep. by our wonderful art art uh, consultant. Oh, that's a fun name I just gave. David Dooley is cool. awesome. Uh, and we have been working on this design for the last week or so. Um, I basically said, hey, I like surf rock, <laughs> which I do. Yep. Big fan of the Beach Boys. By the way, yep. Jason, there's a new uh, Beach Boys. You maybe don't care about this. There's a new Beach Boys album on Apple Music that has the first spatial audio mixes of Beach Boys songs. Uh huh. Oh, my God. So good. Yeah, I'm, so I'm happy good. for you. Yeah, I, you should be because I love it. <laughs> Honestly, I listened to some songs, got tears in my eyes because my, see, so good. we're friends, and so and so we don't talk about the Beach Boys much because I don't like them. But I love. Them. I know you love them. Love them, and so and I'm happy for you for most of my life. And there were like like I had the experience that I've had with some spatial audio where it's like, oh, that's the thing I didn't know was in this song. So that yeah. was very a very emotional yeah, time for me. But nevertheless. Awesome. Uh, so we we have the new T-shirt, the new Summer of Fun T-shirt for 2022. We're bringing back last year's Summer of Fun T-shirt because it was such a hit. We're so also good. bringing back the original Dongletown tees, including the return of the orange option, which yeah. we haven't brought back for a while. Uh, primarily, the orange is back because my orange is worn out and I want another one. So, <laughs> Yeah, but you see, it's also an endorsement. You love that orange so much. I love that, that orange t-shirt. I want it out and I want a new one. These all, will all be available until July 13th. So we've got a few weeks, but go and get them now at UpgradeYourWardrobe.com. Good. I, I'm very happy with David's design. We saw the original, and uh, we were laughing about. It. There was there was some extra stuff. It's simplified now. There was some extra stuff. I think in one version there were some AirPods mm-hmm. that were like flying in the air, like <laughs> like seagulls or something. Yeah. And it, we, it was a little too much. But um, but this is yeah. The the iPhone is a surfboard too. It's so good. So, it's so good. good. Yeah, oh, and so I love good. it. You use it to surf the internet, Mike. You use the, your iPhone to surf. Mm. The net, yeah, the yellow on green is the is the is the primary okay. color for this one. Yeah, I think. Yeah, that's, that's... Looks, go ducks. Yeah, <laughs> looks well, great. I told my, I, I showed it to my daughter, and she said, she said, go ducks. Oh. I said, yeah, I suppose it is right. There is a red shirt, um, and if you wear it, I recommend that you take off that red, off shirt. That red shirt. So this is the thing. This is a funny behind the scenes thing. Usually, Jason arranges the the work of Cotton Bureau, so picks yeah. the colors. I have like a hand in the colors, but Jason will primarily pick the colors. But I took it this time because Jason was away, which is also why the episode is a day late this week. Yeah, um, it's a three day weekend, and when I, I took it because some are fun. Yeah, you know exactly. And when we were talking, uh, when I was talking with our wonderful friends over at Cotton Bureau, they could show me some options. I was like, oh, I like the red one. And when I, I said to Jason, here's our colors, he's like, no. And I was like, yep, that's right. This is what happened. Happens. So there is yep. a red shirt. As, as Zach says, I am the color czar right now. You can put it. You can put it on, and you then you go to the off. beach, and then what do you do? Take, take off, off that red, red shirt. shirt. That's what you do. UpgradeYourWardrobe.com. The MacBook Pro with M2 is available to order right now. Um, it is. Uh, can you feel that M2 MacBook Pro energy out there? Whoa, whoa, yep. the speed. Mm, the the, everybody's Speed. talking about this laptop because it's exactly like it was before, except with a different chip inside. So different, but not that different. Just a little different. 
the reason I wanted to bring this up, because I am not really particularly interested in this computer, as we've spoken about in past episodes, yeah. uh, but some models are already back-ordered until August, Basic, especially anything with the 24-gigabyte option of unified memory. They're just all back-ordered. Some of the standard models are more readily available. I just wondered, when it comes to the MacBook Air, do you think we're going to end up with a similar result, like with them being really hard to get? Or do you think that maybe they're sacrificing some of the MacBook Air to make sure they have more stock available uh, of the MacBook Pro to make sure they have more stock available of the MacBook Air? I mean, I I don't know. I wish I had a better insight into this uh, aspect of Apple's business. But um, I my guess is that they're making MacBook Airs and stocking them. Um my guess is that there will still be supply chain based constraints, right? There'll still be supply limitations, but I think they know how popular the MacBook Air is going to be. Um, they're probably, and th- and this is the thing about configurations, right? Like if you want a custom configuration that they have not anticipated, even if they anticipate like every possible configuration and make a certain amount and try to anticipate which of the more popular ones and which of the less popular ones. The fact is that it's going to be harder ultimately to get one of those, I think, because until the supply chain is moving smoothly, if you have a very specific custom order um, and they don't have it as something they pre-made, then you're going to have to get in line and you're going to have to wait, which is why I suspect even with the Air, the base configuration, the standard configs that they've got are going to be much more available and the customs are going to be harder to come by. And I think that that's going to be that way for a while, even if they are, which I suspect they are, spending a month and then probably the last month or two making as many MacBook Airs as they can so they can ship them and have them for sale, mm-hmm. right? It's not like it's all built to order where like every order comes in and then they build a MacBook Air. They Like with the iPhone, at least, right? They make a bunch <laughs> in advance. They make a lot of them and so that they can ship them and, and fulfill all that demand uh, at the very beginning of the process. I imagine they're trying to do some of that with the MacBook Air, um, but we'll see, still see places. It's going to be like you know, like this one where, oh, if you get the base model or, or, or some very specific configs, it's like, yeah, you can get that. Yeah. Um, and then you try a different one and it's like, oh no, that's going to take a while. It's because they didn't make that one and they're going to have to make it special for you or they didn't make very many of that config and so they're already running out and it's going to be a little while. Like I think that that's just how it's going to be. Um, in the supply chain for a while. I think you're completely right. I, I I do like the personal conspiracy theory that they are more, like, where possible, like, they would be constraining the MacBook Pro more for the MacBook Air. Like, I think that would be logical. Like, if there were, if the issues they were finding were the parts, right, like, those specific parts that they share, I could imagine they would allocate more to the Air, but there could be, a small legacy node transistor right. on the MacBook Air oh, that, that you know what I mean, like, and it's just like it doesn't even matter. Like, you would maybe they're swimming they would... in M2 chips, but you know what I mean. You know, you never know. Well, also, I mean, the M2 Air design, although it's been delayed a lot, like you, you'd think they might like try to make as little of use of the ne- legacy nodes as possible in that mm-hmm. model, whereas this MacBook Pro, it, it's like its own legacy node. Exactly, right? yeah. it's like all old parts. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, who I, knows I, though? Maybe like hey, they have a million touch bars. You know what I mean? They're just sitting there forever. It's, oh, I'm sure that that's the case. And, yeah. and you know, their point, And although it's kind of amazing to think about this, that the 13 inch MacBook Pro is the second best selling laptop model in the world. That's what they said. That's what they say. 
Um, and we got the reasons why, right, that we've talked about, like, probably that it's the base model of a pro line is the biggest driver for it. Mm -hmm. It's just like, we're, we only buy MacBook Pros in our business, and this is the cheapest one, so we buy it. And it's like, it's not really a MacBook Pro. And they're like, no, 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 it's a MacBook Pro. Uh, so they... Even so, they probably have a pretty good idea of what the demand is for this thing versus the demand for the MacBook Air, and I um, have planned accordingly. Now, they could be wrong, but I think that if you're inside Apple, you've got very precise sales information about how these models sell um, now and how they've sold historically, and they use that, I'm sure, to prioritize what they're building in the in the factories but mm -hmm. um my guess would be that there'll be more demand for the air because it's it looks new and it is the number one selling laptop not number two um so there's two reasons to uh to make more macbook airs but i'm sure that that would be you know one of tim cook's protégés protégés or whatever like someone in the in that part of apple who gets this stuff built who gets to look at all that the, those sales figures and make those guesses it's an interesting job um so we'll we'll see how how it works but I'm, my guess is that the macbook air will not be as like shockingly constrained but that there will still be constraints this episode of upgrade is brought to you by sourcegraph so you've hired a brilliant developer that's great but now you have to get them on boarded if your company's growing, onboarding new developers will be a common occurrence, but it's a big undertaking every time. One of the biggest challenges for new hires is to get up to speed with the project that their new team is going to be working on with them. This can be tricky if the code bases that your developers are working in are already really large. Thankfully, Sourcegraph makes it easy to move fast even in those big code bases. Developers know that knowledge is most useful when it's findable. Centralization is helpful, but given the fact that most companies store knowledge in at least two different locations, how do you make that knowledge accessible to those that need it when they need it? As a code intelligence platform, Sourcegraph gives developers what they need to drive their own learning over time and in different situations. Teams without Sourcegraph have to rely on asking colleagues, reviewing out-of-date documentation, which can be cumbersome and time-consuming all in all. But with Sourcegraph, every developer can search across millions of repositories to find specific code, saving time for themselves and everyone else as well. So, when questions do come up, you know it's the big stuff that's worthy of taking the extra time to go through. Sourcegraph was created to make developers' lives easier. And today, they work with leading companies across every industry, including three out of the five top tech companies. Plus, PayPal, Uber, Plaid, GE, Reddit, Atlassian, Atlassian and many, many more. Visit about.sourcegraph.com to learn more today. That's about.sourcegraph.com, and you can find out why some of the biggest tech companies in the world use Sourcegraph and to see what it can do for yours. Or just click the link in the show notes, and they'll know that you heard about them from us. Our thanks to Sourcegraph for their support of this show and Relay FM. So, stage manager. Stage I kind of don't want to talk about this, to be honest. I know. Uh, we touched on it a little bit in our last episode, which to me right now, Jason, feels like 400 years ago. Like I know. It was so in much. Fact, nine days ago. I didn't even talk about the fact that we missed our connecting flight home and had to spend an extra day in Dallas. That also yeah. happened to us. So that's like, you know, I've been in so many places and so many planes and I've had so much happen to me in that time period. It feels like a really, really long time ago. Um, because of the fact I was delayed, I missed the last episode of Connected where Federico and Steven went through this discussion at length. So yes. I'm not we're not gonna bother giving a primer on why we're talking about stage manager and M1 iPads. Like if you want the whole history and haven't somehow 
caught it through osmosis over the last couple of weeks, go and listen to episode 402 of Connected. But I think you had some more thoughts that you wanted to go through today because, to be honest, the situation keeps like changing and growing and et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, I, um, I, I, we'll, we'll keep it short because I, on the one hand, I want to say I totally sympathize with people who bought an iPad Pro in the last couple of generations and are mad that this feature doesn't work on their yep. iPad Pro. I'm one I of those people. Just, I'm selling yeah. two iPad Pros now because they are honestly useless to me going forward. And I now have an iPad Air that's going to replace both of them until Apple releases an iPad Pro that I'm more interested in. So... And my sympathy is legitimate, and it is also the sympathy that I have for anybody who has a product that they bought and then uh, becomes obsolete or doesn't have a feature that they want that, that, that and they're on the outside looking in, right? Like, that sucks. We've all been there. We've all done that. You buy technology, you spend a lot of money, and then the world moves on, and whether it's a faster processor or new software feature and you don't get it and you're sad. Right. Like my my speaking of supply chain constraints, my Mac studio is finally showing up next week. Um, and and I'm like, Hang OK, on, well, we are, wait, the, what? The, <laughs> wait, I'm still using the Apple loaner Mac studio because I've been waiting for my Mac studio I thought to show you up. You got yours. No, no, oh, no, I got okay. my display, but not my Mac studio. Oh, that's that, got, that was way oh, back ordered. Okay. Oh. So I can finally have my Mac studio that I bought with my own money. Um and I, I, I laughed when Apple said the, the Mac Studio alone period expires in September. I was like, September, that's ridiculous. And now I'm like, oh, God, I hope my Mac Studio comes in time. Anyway, it's coming. Um, so and they've announced the M2, right? I'm like, oh, you know, it's an look, it's an M1 Pro. It's going to be OK. But there's still that part of me that's like, look, I can already feel my product aging and I haven't even gotten it yet. Right. Like, so I really understand the frustration of it. However. Um, this is also the way it it works, right? This is how it works. For things to move forward, you do have to have things things advance, things get left behind. Um, what's bothered me about this story is the parsing of very specific Apple statements that are made by people who are trying to do some sort of a gotcha. It's like, it reminded me of like amateur detectives in a detective story, like, you know, only only stage manager in the building kind of thing of of like, we're figuring this out. We, aha, but he said, no, there was no swap, but there is no swap on this one and they need swap. And it, it's this whole thing. And and so what I just wanted to say is, look, when, when it's an interview with an Apple executive, or it's a quote furnished to somebody by an Apple executive. It's PR. <laughs> it's PR. It's not testifying under oath. It's PR. It's spin. Um, now, if you want, if you're investigating this like it's a crime, you could say, aha, well, that means they're lying. It's like, well, it's PR. Yes. <laughs> it's, they, they, is PR lying? <sighs> Sometimes. It's certainly spin. But the truth is Apple doesn't want to reveal all the gory, messy details of what is going on behind the scenes. So they create these simple stories. So they say something like swap enables this feature or display external display support is an important part of this feature. And people go, oh, but this if you put them all together and line them up, it doesn't match logically. It's like, well, no, it's a story. They're trying to keep it simple. They're not giving you all the details because they don't want to talk to you about their internal development processes. So like... The M1 Air 64 gig model, which I think is the one that you've got. Yep, I have that. You know, it is 
it is an M1, so it's got uh, faster NAND and 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 RAM and I/O, right? So it's because it's an M1. Fundamentally, the the storage, the RAM, and the I/O system itself are faster than previous chips. That's that's a thing you get with the M1. But it doesn't have a lot of RAM, so it doesn't do swap. And the answer is, you know, my my understanding is that the M1 Air 64 is the barest of minimums that can support stage manager and that you may actually find using your air that there are things that you can't you may discover things you can't do i haven't found um, them like we were talking yeah, I know about you this yeah, yeah. I, I i have i have heard that there are things that that the and performance issues that you might find but i don't know i honestly don't know that was just sort of a heard through the grapevine thing mm-hmm. but my understanding is that the m1 air is sort of like minimum thing now they chose to have it use stage manager because I think Apple, one of the things going on here is Apple wants product simplicity. And it's very easy to say, and I know we talked about this last week, it works on M1 iPads. That's like the easiest thing to say. And probably, and again, this is the stuff that Apple doesn't want to go into because they don't want to talk about the magic that happens behind the scenes, right? They're very proud of the magic trick that they do whenever they have a product uh, released. But they... Uh, probably had to do extra work to get the 64 gig iPad Air to work because it's 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 a stretch. But they probably did the extra work because they felt it was important to get that one in, even though it's sort of a a grace period or something. Right? It's like a little like it doesn't really clear the bar, but we're gonna fit it in and do the extra work because we don't want to say some M1 iPads support this. <laughs> so they did it. Uh, well, what about the previous iPad Pro? Well. Um, they don't have the same amount of RAM as the Air, except for the one that does, the one terabyte model. And as I think we said last week when we were in my backyard, um, there's a level of complexity there. What if they said, well, the previous model does support it, but only this one particular configuration. And if you've got that, then you're good and otherwise not. That's complicated. Um, but remember what I just said about the M1. Even if it's got the same RAM as the iPad Air, <laughs> the storage is slower the RAM is slower and the IO is slower. So it's got the same amount of RAM, but the A12Z is not the M1. Everything about those things that go into doing swap or go into doing, uh, you know, keeping all this stuff on screen and having it be responsive is slower. Mm-hmm. Could Apple have prioritized the A12Z one terabyte model for stage manager? It's like, mm, maybe, <laughs> but you can see the PR... And communication benefits of saying all M1s are compatible. It makes it more complicated if you say, well, that last iPad Pro supports it. Oh, but not yours because you didn't buy the expensive one with one terabyte of storage. So it doesn't it doesn't count like that's and also let's say, OK, so that what if they say it's worth it to for the people who have that older model? It's worth it. Let's just put uh, stage manager on that one. Well, how much work goes into getting that one to clear the bar if they're already doing the work for the the base model air to clear the bar um for one skew of an old model like is it worth it or would you would you say that's not worth going back that far and doing that extra work for a feature that um i will point out needs a lot of development work this summer right it's not done it's clearly not done. So mm-hmm. that's my that's my thought about this. Is you know I appreciate everybody trying to keep Apple honest here, but the idea that they're lining up all these statements like it's PR, 
Apple's not going to tell you all the details because they don't want to talk about it. They want to give you just the highest level of of um, of of storytelling about their decision making, and they don't want to go down into the details. And while I understand that people who bought older hardware and wanted to work with the latest shiny thing, I, I get that you want that, but at some point you don't get it, and that's just the way the world works. And I think that what Apple chose here is obviously self-serving because that's what anybody in this situation does but i think that if you if you look at it it makes logical sense and um and i think that's all i have to say about that yeah i wonder what will happen like i wonder i mean i expect maybe there is a possibility we'll get a new beta this week that's what sure. you would expect uh, i wonder if anything will change like i wonder if it will appear on on older models I think I am of the opinion, the unpopular opinion, that I kind of hope that they just draw the line in it and focus on making it as good as it can be on the M1s and then for all of the iPads forward. I understand that if you have a 2020 iPad Pro, which 12.9, which I do, right? So I said, like, when I said it's useless to me, like, now I need, I feel like the hardware that supports all the features, because I need to understand all the features to be able to talk about them as we move forward, um, where hopefully we won't be talking about what Stage Manager right. works on, but talking about how oh. Stage Manager works again, but, like... I have I have some real-time follow-up, by the okay. way, that, that will not preclude a bunch of people from emailing, having heard the two minutes ago, and not listen to the rest of this podcast, but maybe it'll stop somebody. Zach is right. I was thinking about this while I was saying it. Zach in the Discord. Uh, the A12Z model, they all have 6 gigs of RAM. It's the A12X model that has the only the high-end one has 6 gigs of RAM. So that's the that's the path here is, mm-hmm. do we fit the A12X in? It's like, well, they've all got 6 gigs of RAM, but they've got the slower storage, and they've got the slower memory, and they've got the slower I.O. So do we try to support those? And then do we go back a step further and support the high-end model of the other one? How do we want to do that? And I'm sympathetic to the argument that it sure looks from the outside like the A12Z model could be as capable as the low-end Air model. Um, however, first off, it M1 makes a difference. And two, where do you spend your time? And I think that's what you were getting at. And that's what I would say is... Um, this is a very ambitious feature, and it needs work. And if I had to choose between having it be good and having it be not as good, but a little more compatible with one older model, I think I'd choose it being good, especially since it's never going to be great on the older model because the M1 is better at all of those things. Mm-hmm. So I, I would, I would guess that they're going to prioritize things like adding keyboard shortcuts <laughs> like that they desperately need and better ways to manage windows because that's that's all the stuff that jumps out at me um but you know i i think the answer will be in what apple does which is the uh, one of the reasons that i find this undercurrent of the the detective story so frustrating is there's this behind the scenes there's this sense I get the whiff of this thing that is like, Apple's just doing this to make us buy a new iPad. Yeah. Um, which, given Apple, I mean, Apple occasionally does do that. Uh, if I feel like with iPhone features especially, where it's like they withheld this feature because they want it to be a, a banner feature of the new thing. But most of the time, I think that Apple makes these features for technical reasons that you don't know. <laughs> and they don't want to tell you. But they just say, this is the way it is. And 
you know, I, I don't think it's a conspiracy to sell M1 iPads. I really don't. I think it's weighing the decisions of do we want to go back that far and what's the benefit of going back that far versus a feature that desperately needs more work this summer. So if they feel that there is enough of a PR hit from lacking backward compatibility and it's not as much technical work as you would think to get the A12Z version, let's say, up and running, maybe they throw it in and say, okay, the A12Z, and it might be the A12Z works, but you only get three windows, right? Or something like that, right? It might be a... Or you can't plug it into a display. Well, certainly that, right? Yeah. Like it, it, it will be, would be something that's limited. And then they would say, is it worth us doing this? And if they do it, that's why. It's because it turns out the cost is not so great and the cost to them in terms of of user anger is greater than they thought um so i i'm not saying it's impossible but um i'll also point out that remember when they released the m1 ipad last year and everybody said well why are they releasing such a powerful computer and not having any features that are m1 features and this is what they did and now everybody's angry about well, that, it this is so... this is the thing for me i i was in that camp right of like it sure feels like that this is pointless and so now they're saying, hey, it does this. I'll say, okay, right? Like, this is a bit of a monkey's paw situation, but I'll take it, right? Because ultimately, I want to see the iPad platform push forward. If it means they have to draw a line in the sand, and unfortunately, some people get left behind, look, I feel for you, right? It's just like, I had to spend more of my money to try and use this feature. So I am in that club along with all of you. And I did it. Maybe you don't want to do it, and I understand that. But I kind of feel like, I need to do it. I wouldn't have upgraded my iPads otherwise. Like I really wouldn't have. So if that is one of the reasons Apple's doing it, then it worked for me, right? But like all I care about is that this platform should be moved forward, should continue to get more powerful features. This is exactly the kind of thing that I was looking for and was wanting. If they're telling me it needs to be an M1 machine to support it, then I'm just going to wash my hands of it and say, fine, right? And that's just the way I'm going to roll with it. Would I like to see them do something where they say like, all right, we can bring this version to it, but it's not going to affect the development, you know, that kind of thing, even better. Yeah. And this is, you know, again, I understand, just go back to what I said at the beginning to wrap this up. I understand the disappointment. Yeah. However, creating a conspiracy theory and doing detective work to prove that you were wronged and that Apple is lying and they're doing this all in order to withhold a feature that you maybe want, maybe don't want, I don't know, uh, for the computer that you bought previously. Um, I don't know. That's where my sympathy begins to ebb away. It's like, you know, it happens. It sucks. There are some good technical reasons for it. I don't think this is a conspiracy. Uh, it's always great when Apple supports older hardware. But I also like the fact that Apple put an M1 in the iPad, which is this incredibly powerful thing that they have in the Mac. And, oh, look, it turns out that the M1 in the iPad has some real benefits in terms of what it can do. That seems pretty reasonable to me. Mm -hmm. uh, so anyway, and, and I have I have one little tiny footnote about stage manager that isn't about this, which is but it's related, which is um, I use stage manager on the Mac a little bit and it just works. And I actually think that it might be viable as a as a for some people as a way to group windows together and switch between sort of different window groups. Um, it, it, while having it all kind of be in within sight, I think that there's a lot of advantages to that approach that I think are very interesting. Um, but what it really does is expose how 
it's just using the Mac's existing windowing system and window metaphor that we've had for ever, right? And then you switch among the windows. Whereas on the iPad, they had to invent everything. And it, it just exposes that like the iPad doesn't have a sophisticated windowing system underneath uh, Stage Manager. It just has a few little things that have been in bits, bits and bobs here and there for the last couple of years. And... That, I think, is actually the thing that needs the most help on the new iPadOS version is not stage manager per se, but like window management. Because now you've got windows, but like hitting the little three dot thing and having it work right or being able to hit command W to close a window. It's like it's just none. None of it is there. And that's the problem. Yeah. And that that broke my brain. Like I, I plugged yeah. it into my uh, Thunderbolt display. A couple of things happened. One, my mouse and keyboard didn't work, which is funny to me that this might be a Thunderbolt versus USB-C problem with the iPad Air potentially. Or maybe it's a bug. I don't know. Like I want to do more testing with it. Um, yeah. But I found that funny. But I was one. I mean, obviously, it was like wild, like seeing thing. It just because it looks looked like it was a Mac. It was very confusing to me. Like you know, everybody has that feeling at first. Yeah, it's disconcerting. But I, that was where I was really missing the keyboard shortcuts. Like that. Yeah. That yeah. Command W should do something. It should do yeah. something. You know. So that's that's my that's my uh, kind of a galaxy brain take on center stage right now is that or stage manager is that i knew i would do that yeah. uh stage manager as a concept I, i'm actually thinking it's okay i i, I actually uh, think uh, jason that, i am tempted to install the mac os beta on a machine like at some point during the process i'm going to do it because i am desperate to try stage manager on a mac because i yeah. genuinely like the more i use it on my ipad the more i'm like where i really personally want this is on the mac like yeah. that's, and, and, for me and, this is actually where i want it and if you use it in both places, you will you will discover what I discovered, which is, oh, there's the concept of stage manager, and then there's window management. Yeah. And stage manager is groups of windows that you wor are working on together, and they yes. go and they turn on and off in sets. Which is what I, that, that's what excites not me. Not a bad idea. I don't know if yeah. I'll use it long term or not, but I'm like, oh, I can see how this actually makes some sort of sense. And, and then I just move the windows around. And then I go over to the iPad on an external display, and I try to do the same thing, and it is I feel like I am waiting in molasses. Mm. And the reason is not stage manager. It's windowing. It's keyboard shortcuts and dragging windows around and uh, you know minimizing or choosing how things get in and out. And that is where it all kind of breaks down, especially on the iPad. So I hope they spend the summer fruitfully uh, fixing window management stuff on the iPad. Because I feel like it's really actually like close to being good and it's developer beta one so i'm encouraged but it's close to being good they just need to put in the rest of the work this episode is brought to you by magic lasso adblock do you want the experience do you want to experience twice as fast load times in safari on your iphone ipad and mac then download magic lasso adblock the ad blocker designed for you it's easy to set up blocks all youtube ads and doubles the speed which safari loads Magic Lasso is an efficient, high-performance, and free ad blocker with over 4,000 five-star reviews. Many consider it the best Safari ad blocker for your iPhone, iPad, and Mac. Magic Lasso blocks all intrusive ads, trackers, and annoyances, letting you experience a faster, cleaner, and more secure web browsing experience. 
And unlike some other ad blockers, Magic Lasso respects your privacy and doesn't accept payment from advertisers because they believe online privacy isn't just something you should be hoping for. So stop being followed by ads around the world, around the web by blocking all ad trackers and making sure your browsing history isn't harvested by ad networks. The app also now blocks over 10 types of YouTube ads, including all video ads, banner ads, search ads, and suggested product ads as well. So, go and join over 200,000 users and download Magic Lasso Adblock for free from the App Store. Or, as a special offer for Upgrade listeners, if you go to magiclasso.com slash upgradefm, you'll receive one month's free access to all of the app's pro features. I think you should go check it out there. That's www.magiclasso.co slash Upgrade FM to receive one month's free pro access. That's magiclasso.co slash upgrade FM. The link will be in the show notes. Our thanks to Magic Lasso Adblock for their support of this show and Relay FM. Apple have struck a 10-year deal for worldwide streaming rights to Major League Soccer. Yep. Okay, then. <laughs> right? Yep. I, when this news broke, I was like, there was a bunch of things I, we were expecting them to do. Sports-wise, mm-hmm. this is, I think, no, not the one we expected them to do. No, it, it is, for those who do not follow this and have not heard this news, let me just explain what happened. Apple and Major League Soccer, which is the top flight uh, soccer league football for the rest of the world in, in North America, or well, it's not even in the U.S. and Canada, Liga MX in Mexico is a better league, but uh, probably, but... Uh, Anyway, U.S. and Canada, MLS is it, right? So it's not a top-tier league in the world, nor is it – it is, in fact, the only um, – or one of the major sports leagues in, in America that has is not the best at its at what it does in the world, right? <laughs> it's it's very much not. Yeah, I will but, say, just as a note on that, hello, I'm from – I'm not in America. Hello, mate. What, I keep hearing people mention this. One of the things that's funny to me that, about this is like – NFL and baseball only exist really in America. Like, so it's yes, kind of like true. I've been hearing people like Ben Thompson and John Gruber talk about this. I'm so like, here's, here's, American sports are the most popular sports. Okay. And it's like, okay, okay. you only so have off, them there. First off, you, I'll only give you NFL there because baseball is actually I know it's big very in popular Japan. in Japan and Korea and mm-hmm. the Caribbean. Uh, Nevertheless, and Mexico, uh, right? And not, but everything yeah, so you're Europeans saying... are really quick to say baseball is just in America, and it is not. But the best players from all over mm-hmm. the world play in Major League Baseball, mm-hmm. and for hockey and basketball, it is absolutely the case that you can play your in your league in France or Slovenia or Russia or wherever you want. But if you're really good at it, you play in America in the NBA and the NHL. But then there's MLS, and it's like, is this the best in the world? I think it's actually a problem with American audiences. It's actually why the Premier League does so well on TV. It does better on TV than MLS in America because it's the best in the world, Uh and people like to see the best in the world play the game. That said, MLS actually has been really successful, and they, they are growing, and their attendance is very good. So it is a real thing, but... It's not that big a thing. And it's also got an ownership system where it's sort of centralized. And so Apple was able to basically walk over to MLS and say, we would like to buy all of your television rights for 10 years. Which is just like (laughs) such a baller move, really. Yeah. And it's like, well, we'll guarantee you $2.5 billion over the 10 years. And they're Mm -hmm. like, okay, here it is. And so what they got is not 
what we've heard about sports rights in the past. All the sports rights in the past are, oh, they're going to do baseball games on Fridays, or they're going to do basketball games on Tuesdays and Thursdays, or select holidays. Or, or you like, know, we're going to get these four games over the year, yeah, and you'll have to exactly. subscribe to Amazon exactly. Prime to get them. Like, yeah. Right, right. Well, like Amazon Prime is going to do the NFL in the fall, and it's going to be Thursday night games, right? right? Okay, that's not what's happening here. This is every game... They're writing, um, Apple's writing MLS a check. MLS is going to produce the broadcasts. They're all going to be on Apple TV+. Plus, So you can watch any, ga- any game from any team. That's just going to be, it's going to be baked right in. Any game from any team. It is, uh, the, it is replacing all regional broadcasting. So if you have a local TV broadcast of your MLS team, it's gone. It will be a national broadcast. So they're going to turn in more something like the NFL, where everything is a, is a national game. Mm-hmm. They're all going to be an international because this will be worldwide. Um, there were, and then the biggest one is, although there were, will still be linear rights. So what that means is that MLS will be able to do like, uh, you know, a Wednesday night game on ESPN2 or something like that. Like they can do that. And a Saturday game on Fox Sports 1 or something like that. Those games will still be on the Apple TV thing because there are no blackouts, which is a huge thing for sports. No blackouts. Apple is the primary delivery of this entire thing. Um, And and so starting next year, like this is this is how you will watch TV for a decade. If you want to watch MLS games on TV, it will be via this thing now. That's fascinating because this is an experiment in a way. It's potentially looking at what the future of sports on TV will be, which is this kind of thing that's a league-driven package that is available for streaming. Um, The other thing that is interesting about this is the way it's structured. And those of us who have closely observed Apple TV, as your upstream, upstream segment has for many, many years, will know Apple does this channels thing, just like Amazon, where you can subscribe to Paramount Plus inside the TV app. Well... This thing is going to be structured like that. It's going to be an MLS thing inside the TV app, which means you don't get this if you're an Apple TV Plus subscriber. You have to pay to get the MLS package. Unless you're a, here's a hilarious little bit, unless you're a season ticket holder to an MLS team, in which case you get it for free. I think that's awesome, by the way. I think so, like, too. I that's think so. such a sweet little arrangement. Yeah. yeah. So if you're a loyal fan, you just get um, it. What I like about that. It kind of feels like to me this was a negotiation, like it wasn't one party you steamrolled the other because it seemed like Apple got things they wanted and MLS got things they wanted because that feels very much like a Major League Soccer wanting to like give a treat to their season ticket holders. Which yes. Apple wouldn't care about, right? Like, right. you know, so yeah, no, like and, it, and it uses and it builds. It's all kind of part of this this same story. So. uh they will so it'll be a, an add-on thing they will also make some games available for free on for apple tv plus subscribers and some games will be available to everyone so it's going to be this it's an interesting approach like how do you do discovery of soccer broadcasts on apple tv it's a little like the free friday night baseball where it's sort of like well there will be a free game major league baseball does this with their package too you can buy every out-of-market game, but there's like a free game of the day. Mm-hmm. And th- that's what this will be. There'll be like a free game, and then there'll be a few more free games on Apple TV+. Plus. But to get the whole thing, you got to buy the package. you got to buy that deal. And this is intriguing for us as people who talk about this because we've been talking about the NFL Sunday ticket rumor that Apple is going to uh, get NFL Sunday ticket, which is all out-of-market NFL games, for next year. Not this fall, but for next year. And this is 
undoubtedly how they will do it, which is it will be an Apple TV channel, essentially, so that they can charge you a separate price. And then there'll probably be some stuff that they give to TV Plus subscribers, maybe the Red Zone channel or something like that. But like, if you want all the games, you will have to pay. And then they'll use their channel's architecture, which is, I, I, I am... 99% sure, and this is just a guess, but like I'm 99% sure that's all this is, is it's like their own private Apple TV channel for this purpose, and which is actually kind yeah. of brilliant yeah. and because it's all set up. you you The whole thing is set up. You buy it. It's integrated inside the app. And that also means that any other device that's got the Apple TV app on it, uh, TVs and, and Roku sticks and anything else, they all just get this because it's part of the Apple TV app. Mm-hmm. I think this is awesome. I think this is probably the beginning of a couple of things, right? It's it's this is Apple, I think, continuing to level up what they're able to do when it comes to mm-hmm. um content. Oh, by the way, I've just realized I think this gets me a point in the draft that we've got for the next hundred episodes. Oh, nice. I said more live. Oh, I said outside of sports, though, right? I think. Oh. Yeah, never, never mind. Uh, but anyway, it's still to me like Apple continuing to flex what they can do with live content because that in general could be a bunch of different things. This is more yep. live content. It's more sports. It's going to probably be a bigger sustained audience, I would expect, than the potentially the random games they throw out right like of baseball like probably mm-hmm. the baseball gets a larger audience than any single mls game but they have to keep this as a consistent experience for potentially multiple concurrent games i don't know if that happens in major league soccer but i expect it probably could right maybe yeah. more than no, one I game think, at a time i think all these games are happening in two windows on right. on wednesdays and sundays or something like that wednesdays mm-hmm. and saturdays so it's it's yeah they're going to have multiple games going at once which is going to be interesting for them um it, some options there too that i would like them to explore that they haven't yet i know one of my complaints about apple tv and the baseball stuff especially is that they're not leveraging the fact that they are entirely app-based and therefore they can do software things like uh if you've got a bunch of games happening at once i should be able to put two of them in a two up or four of them in a four up Um, my fubo tv app does that and that's a sports focused streaming service but like apple should be able to do that too it's actually a, a a great way to show off the apple tv hardware especially so there's a lot of potential for them to do other other stuff with sports Um, and, and yeah, it's interesting to see, uh, how this plays out. Cause it is, like I said, an experiment that could potentially lead to other one to other deals that Apple could make, but also as a, a way for, uh, other leagues to look at this, like the baseball commissioner, Rob Manfred made a comment last week where he basically said, we understand sports rights are complicated. Regional sports networks are an important revenue source, but we also, he actually said, we also keep talking about a, an MLB product that is you buy uh, you buy this product and you get your local team for cord cutters, essentially. And there is one regional sports network in America, the New England Sports Network, that just announced that they're going to do that. They're going to if you're not on cable and you want the Red Sox or the Bruins, you can pay them. Mm-hmm. And you just get it. So there, I think there will be a lot of people watching what this Apple deal looks like. The other thing that I wanted to mention, just as an aside, one of my criticisms of Apple's baseball broadcasts is that they don't offer home uh, and away radio broadcasts as an alternate audio stream. My understanding is that the MLS deal includes that in the package. That wow. if you want to watch, 
if you want to watch your local team and you want local announcers instead of their national announcers that they're going to have, you sh- you will be able, my understanding is, to have your local radio audio put over the video of the game. And if they can pull that off, I think that's great because, yeah. the, again, it's a good use of this software and streaming technology that we've got that there doesn't need to just be one video stream. There doesn't need to be just one audio stream. You could customize it so the fans of the Portland Timbers get a, uh, an excited announcer who's really excited when the Timbers score instead of a sort of dispassionate uh, national announcer who's got to be objective because... They're, they, you know, the, the Portland Timbers fans are listening, but so are the uh, Columbus Crew fans, right? I pulled out some MLS teams there. Anyway, it's interesting to see yeah. Apple wrote a check uh, or will write a series of big checks. Oh, and one last point. It's a guarantee of $250 million a year. It's actually a rev share. So we don't know what the terms of the rev share are, but above a certain amount of success for this product, mm-hmm. um, the, the MLS, MLS and, and uh, Apple will make... Um, make money beyond that so apple if it's wildly successful um everybody wins basically so it's in everyone's interest right like yeah you know i could imagine i mean and if they don't this would be wild apple should make a mls version of drive to survive or whatever right they already have one of these about uh surfing which i haven't watched yet but it's made by the same company that made drive to survive right because the idea with drive to survive is it's a netflix documentary series about formula one that has driven interest in the actual formula one races massive interest and so how do you get people interested in american soccer one way would be to do programming that makes you really interested in the people and the stories and all of that Yeah. yeah and so then it's like because then at that point like i'm sure that revenue share is either 50 50 or apple gets more of it right because they're giving so much in a guarantee they will probably take the lion's share of the revenue i don't know that's how a guarantee works right interesting yeah interesting uh deal all around and for so many reasons right for apple for sports for the future even if you're not interested in sports per se like for the future of streaming it's a really interesting deal because um one of the things holding people to cable in the U.S. is regional sports networks. And that's why a lot of money has been spent by regional sports networks on sports rights. But we are getting toward this tipping point where, one, pe- people like Apple will just come in and say, well, I can write a big check, too. <laughs> like, they could, I can do that, too. And also, the owners start to think, we're missing out. We're missing out on the future. And, you know, we could be closing ourselves off. Like if, if everybody under a certain age doesn't have cable and you, you need cable to watch a baseball game, guess what? No one Nobody under a certain game. age is ever going to watch a baseball game. <laughs> That's not That's a good idea. That's bad. Yeah. That's bad. So you need to find a way to address it. Rumor roundup, Jason Snell. Pew, pew. So last week. <laughs> those, were, there was... those were revolvers <laughs> and not lasers? I don't know. Yeah, we got we to gotta work that out. All, All right, right, okay. Yeehaw, partner. Last week, there was a rumor first reported by Ross Young that there was a 14.1-inch iPad coming, and it was expected to have a mini-LED display with ProMotion. A couple of days later, Young revised the report, stating that it will not, in fact, have mini-LED, leading people to believe that this would be a 14.1-inch base-level iPad. I cannot get my head around... What is going on here? 
Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think, okay, so what would it be? If it's not an iPad Pro, what would you call it? Would it be iPad? Would it be iPad Air? It's awfully big to be an Air, um, which which leads me to lead into your big grand conspiracy theory, which mm-hmm. is essentially studio all the things. Yeah. iPad Studio. Like uh-huh. this was this came into my mind when listening to Connected last week and Federico was talking about just the idea of an iPad studio. And then I think this rumor came out afterwards and everyone's like, Well, if it's not an iPad Pro, surely it's a base model iPad. I was like, Well, but no, mm. that doesn't make any sense, right? To no. have a fourteen point one inch product called iPad. And nor is it like, because there's also this part of the report where Ross Ross Young's talking about how like, oh, you know, it might actually be as cheap to make a 14.1 inch screen than a 10 inch screen in the future. But I will just state, we'll come back to this one. I'll just do the next report from 9to5Mac that suggests that from their reporting um, that there is a new update coming to the base level iPad. So the base level iPad is not going away its current size, right? They're not getting rid of it and replacing it with a 14-inch no. iPad, which wouldn't make any sense. But anyway, this this base uh, model upgrade will have an A14 5G and USB-C, which is interesting, and but also, I think, the sign of the future. I think, you know, we've yes. spoken about the iPhone's probably going to go USB-C. Uh, it will have a retina display at the same resolution as the iPad Air, so which could possibly lead to a slightly larger-sized screen. They, this is they, they, kind of like we have this piece of information, same resolution, but they're not 100% sure if the screen will increase or if it will or what it will go to. Similarly, they don't know if the design will change, but I feel like if we're going USB-C and we're going to change the screen size, it's time to change the design of the iPad. I expect to look like the iPad mini and the iPad Air. I think it's yeah. time, which again, they don't state, they're not sure is there a home button? Is there touch ID? I think it's now is the time to make those changes. It's going to have to change at some point. I think we've now hit that uh, kind of area. What do you think about that? Just as on mean, the just, iPad. Just remember Apple's whole deal, especially with lower end products is recycling, mm. right? It's just reusing stuff. So it, I would imagine like they would make it, if it's going to be a different size or shape, it would be the size or shape of the iPad Air um, so that they could use the same accessories, et cetera, et cetera. Like you just, everything gets reused, right? So yeah, having it look a lot like the iPad Air makes sense. What happens to the iPad Air at that point? I don't know. Um, you know, more powerful processor, et cetera, et cetera. Like we have to figure it out. More but powerful like, processor can use the uh, Apple Pencil inductive charging, has a magic keyboard, like, you know, like all that kind of stuff. Like I think they wouldn't right. bring those features to the iPad. Well, if they do USB-C, they can't use the old Apple Pencil anymore. It has to go away. Mm-hmm. And they have to use Pencil 2 and they have to find yeah. a way to charge Pencil 2. And they can so, put that charger on. The iPad mini has it, but the iPad mini doesn't have the magic keyboard either. You know what I mean? But, right, yeah. Yeah, so, so they could do I, that I, at least. I I think we still see, you know, there's still like this conflict between what is the iPad Air and what is the base model iPad and what is the iPad Pro, and um, oh, and as Zach has said, relating to earlier, obviously the iPad Air is stage manager, and this iPad wouldn't. Yeah, I would think not. Right, well, it's an A14 RAM and an A14 and an, a phone class chip. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So that's that. So that's kind of confirming the iPad mini is not going away. So we'll go back to 14-inch iPad. Now, yes. 
let's just call it the iPad Studio for the time being. Now, okay. this is, I'm assuming then, it has a different configuration and different trade-offs. So the screen is much larger, but it isn't ProMotion. So, and it doesn't have Mini-LED. Now, Mini-LED was pitched at being like really great for creators. In theory, the iPad Studio would be for creators, but they'd have to tell a different story there, I guess, if it's not going to have that. Right. I assume Mini-LED, the challenge there is it's, one, very expensive, and two, very much more expensive the larger your screen is. Oh, yeah. So and complicated. It's probably some combination of those. And I don't know. I mean, one one thought I have is that maybe there is a more interesting set of accessories for a larger iPad. Um, I feel like this is this is the um this is the artist's iPad too. I mean, they could say it's mm-hmm. for video and things like that where you've got a you know, you just want more room, but I think that I just am picturing the rollout of this product in my mind and thinking it's going to be super Apple Pencil focused. Maybe this is the third generation Apple Pencil too gets introduced with this product yeah, so maybe. that they can tell a story with that. Um, I saw an artist that I follow on Twitter who basically said, oh my God, yes, please, a larger iPad because she draws on her iPad all the time and and I think that there would be a lot of people who would say that, right? That it's just like, if the point is that this is my canvas and I would like a larger canvas than 12.9 um, or anything you do on the iPad that that would benefit from more screen real estate, including, um, yeah, like I said, video editing, stuff like that. Uh, but but graphics, right? Artwork, things with Apple Pencil, the the you know, Procreate and Affinity Designer and stuff like that. I can see what that... What that uh, would be the premise for this. Even if a lot of people just buy it because they want a big iPad and they like the big screen idea. Um, and I know that I think, I think Federico would be super into that, but, um, mm-hmm. but I, I think that the way you tell the story there is about things like creative people. And that fits into the studio name too, right? Yeah. It's like, this is, this is the creative people who need more space for their, for their content or to create their content. It would. It is a shame to me, though, that it would still be using an older screen technology. Like I think eventually, in the future, all these iPads are going to be OLED, but we just have to sure. wait until we get there. But like it's going to, you know, it'll be multiple years away. But eventually, it's all going to lead to OLED rather than Mini LED anyway. Um, but it, you know, it would be a shame that this would be, I'm sure, an expensive iPad with a lot of really great features, but it's going to have. Uh, an LED display. I wonder if they would make a magic keyboard for it. Like I said, I'm I feel like it could be an interesting accessory story with that. Yeah. And is it a magic keyboard? Is it a, you know, a, a stand that you could, you know, put use it on your desk and yeah. with it is it that easel kind of approach to it mm. where you can draw on it and mm. then you can also have like a keyboard and a trackpad because that's a a, a mainstream, yeah. you know, way of using an iPad now, and they they set it up more that way, and uh-huh. say, you know, we're not, we don't think this is your laptop that you're bringing with you, and so we're not going to make that. Uh, then again, I have a hard time thinking that they wouldn't use it as an opportunity to sell a a big Magic Keyboard to somebody who wants it, um, right? It's just the opportunity of it. But I, I I could see the opportunity for some other more interesting accessories that fit the storytelling. Yep. All right. So do you remember last time? We were talking about Mark Gurman reporting there to be a 15-inch MacBook Air coming. Yes. Ming-Chi Kuo has a report that he expects there to be a new 15-inch MacBook featuring M2 and M2 Pro options in 2023. Now, that 
doesn't sound like an air to me. So MacBook Studio. <laughs> there you uh, go. All right. That's, okay. that's this is the 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 thread. Studio that I'm all the weaving. things. Great. Great. It would okay. be weird, right, to put an M2 Pro in the MacBook Air. Right. It would be weird to do that. Even if it had a 15-inch screen. So yep. that feels like a, well, it's not an Air and it's not a Pro. How airy can it be if it's yeah. 15 inches? Exactly. So there you go. It can't MacBook be. Studio. You heard it here first. All right. Uh, Ming-Chi Kuo says he has not heard anything about a 12-inch MacBook, as reported by Mark Kerman. So mm. they're dueling. Maybe they, maybe they were pranking uh, Kerman. Maybe that was all a... Uh... A prank. So, I think no, he knows yeah. that a lot of people want want to see that you know even smaller mm-hmm. Apple laptop, um, and I'm one of those people. And yet I look at that new 13 and I think, are they really going to put the effort into doing a 12 inch if they've got this new 13 inch that looks like this? Like, are they? Is that really going to bring in incremental number of users yeah. um, to do that that little super light? An awesome variation, but like is. Is the 13 Air small enough or not? Mm-hmm. And like, I I would love to see that smaller laptop, but I'm not entirely convinced that um, enough of us would want to see it. We need to head on down to the prospector now to find out the status of Apple's headset. Okay, um, Ming Chi Kuo, who's not the prospector, but oh, he's the marshal, right? With me here, yeah. But Ming Chi okay. Kuo's latest estimate is that the Apple headset could be set now to launch in Q2 of 2023, likely to be announced in early 2023 with this timeline. Quo believes that Apple could provide early access to the hardware to developers in between announcement and shipment to customers. Those last two parts, by the way, feel like pure just speculation from Ming-Chi Quo, like not really based on anything, just like what he thinks. Uh, But the first part being the launch period. Uh, This is because Quo is reporting there are COVID lockdowns in China, resulting in the timelines continuing to slip. So they are delaying any announcement until they're more confident of a shipping date because Apple would be concerned that uh, their competitors would see what they're working on too soon. Right, that's fair. But this continues. That's like Q2 2023. That's a year from now, which is wild considering people were expecting it to be unveiled two weeks ago. Yeah, it's it's like WWDC 2023. <laughs> Like that could be the that could be the announcement. That could be the announcement is or, then. Or well, he says announced early twenty twenty three. But if it slips, it could yep. be. It could get pushed back even further. Yep. I I think his speculation about the developers is important, just because we've spent I know a lot of time talking about this too. That you really ideally you want developers to spend time with this before it launches. And so the advantage of announcing it early is that you've got some way to at least roll out the software story to developers. I'd been theorizing that they might use like a third-party headset as a sample. This is the other way to go, is to either create a developer kit that is essentially the shipping product after the product's been announced, or literally it's a beta version of the hardware that you're selling with a refund when you return it or whatever to developers. Um in order to get developers access to this stuff, because that's one of the ways that this will be a successful launch is this is so different. Uh, you really want to be able to give developers access to some version of the hardware if you can. So um, that's an interesting tidbit of like, well, maybe they will have enough of them that they will let, you know, they will approve certain developers to get a DTK essentially mm-hmm. of the headset. And it's possible that like, you know, I say that it feels like speculation to me, However, it's possible that he's aware that there's some kind of like 
provision for a small number of units to be made in advance or whatever. I still think that, like, at the very least, what they will do is open up the developer center with units and you can book appointments and you can go to mm. Apple and try it out there with your app or whatever. Um, but it would be even better if they could say, all right, give us the retail price and we'll ship you one two months early or whatever. Um, so you can you can really test it out. Because yeah. as we said, we said many times on the show and we're talking about this, the fact that this is their first generation of a product means that they can have a multiple month lead time between announcement and shipping. Right. And keep in mind too that even if it was shipping hardware, um, it would probably have a beta OS on it and mm-hmm. it might even have more restrictions. So like only your apps will run on it. I mean, they would they would yep. do as much as possible to make it that you're like, oh well. But if they ship it, then it's out there in the world, and everybody will be reviewing. Them. It's like, well, if it's if they ship it, but it's kind of broken, and it's just for developers, then there will be a limited amount that can be gleaned from it, given you know that they will have already announced it and told you what they think it will be in the end. Uh, what will we really learn? And I'm sure there will be some clever developers out there who will get it. You know, G- Rambo will get it. <laughs> take it apart and be like oh i think this is going on there but you know it won't be the same and the benefit will be that apple will get um some better software from developers when they launch it this episode is brought to you by our friends at squarespace the all-in-one platform for building your brand and growing your business online you can stand out with a beautiful website engage with your audience and sell anything from products to services or even the content that you create because squarespace has got you covered with squarespace you'll be able to get started with a best-in-class website template which you can customize to fit your needs it is as easy as browsing the category of business or site that you want to wait want to make to get the perfect starting place you can then customize it in a few clicks this is from changing branding and colors to typography to even the layout of a website I find this so easy and it's one of the reasons I have been using Squarespace for over 10 years because building a Squarespace website is actually a fun thing to do. If I wanted to try and build a website from scratch, I wouldn't even know where to get started. With Squarespace is so easy to do. You can do it in the web browser or even in their apps. Their iPad app is awesome. You can customize everything there now. It's really great. You can also take this uh, further with email campaigns. Squarespace email campaigns can let you encourage your visitors to sign up as email subscribers and start them on the journey to becoming loyal customers. Again, you just start with an email template, you customize it by applying your brand ingredients, and with their built-in analytics, you can measure the impact of every send. But these go a step further because you can use insights to Squarespace to grow your business. If you've ever wondered where your site visitors are coming from, where your sales are coming from, and which channels are most effective, you can analyze all of this in Squarespace. And once you have that data, you can improve your website and you can build a marketing strategy based on your top keywords or most popular products and content. Go and try out Squarespace for yourself today. Go to squarespace.com upgrade and you can sign up for a free trial with no credit card required. You can build your entire website. Then when you're ready to launch it to the world, use the offer code upgrade and you will get 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That is squarespace.com upgrade. And when you decide to sign up, use the offer code upgrade and you'll get 10% off your first purchase and show your support for the show. Our thanks to Squarespace for their support of this show and all at Relay FM. Let's finish out today's episode with some hashtag ask upgrade questions. First comes from Brantz, who asks, given the choice, would you have preferred Apple to put full widgets on the lock screen? Or are you happy that they went with Apple Watch style complications? I, you know, I think it's good that they're different because the design style of the widgets is very rich. 
and nice. And it's very clear that the design style of the lock screen widgets is meant to be spare and small and also look good when it's in that always on mode that we all know is coming, uh, which means that they need to be very, you know, sort of dim and just little, just little light marks with, you know, circles or, or text or like super simple, right? And regular widgets are nice and they're, 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 they're pretty and they're big and they, they have color and like they're different. They're just totally different. So uh, full widgets on the lock screen, like they could do it, but then you'd have to have like ghost widgets, like skeleton widgets when you're in that dimmed always on mode that um, we all know is coming. What would it look like then? So Mm. if this was, if we didn't think that that was coming and it was just sort of like widgets on the lock screen instead of that are, this new style instead of the old style, then we might've been like, Oh, but you know, I'm just happy to wake it up and I want to see the bright, colorful weather widget that I like, but we all know that that's not what's going to happen. And so that's why they made this decision. And I think it's a smart one. I like that. It's different. Personally, I like that they've gone into two different designs. Well, really that they've gone more Apple watch than, um, than, than the regular switch UI widgets because I can still get to my widgets with a swipe from the lock screen. Right when I've actually uh, got the when I'm on when I've woken the screen up, but what I like about the design of these that I've seen so far is that it's lots of small pieces of information that you can get without taking up the whole lock screen. Because if you had the regular widgets, you wouldn't have any space anymore to see the image, and you wouldn't be able to see a lot of notifications very easily. Like if there's one thing I've learned from macOS, widgets. And notifications <laughs> do not go well together <laughs> because they yeah. both want all of the space they can get. Um, right. So I like that these kind of more complication style widgets are kind of meant to be very light in their uh, information and their information density um, and not take up like, you know, if you think about it, the smallest widget is the size of four app icons. That's yeah. way too big for me on the way lock screen. Big. Yeah. And again, also, try to imagine your rich weather widget with the blue sky and the clouds in the background and all of that and the white text on the mm-hmm. on the background. And then imagine it in a de decontented, desaturated the number, right? Like that would be it, right? So yeah. you got this box, and it's going to be like I said, it's like a ghost or a skeleton where it's it's desaturated and it, like it doesn't it doesn't work in that mode, and and it would take up a lot of space. So I'm okay with it. You know, really, it's like uh, when you, if you look at an Apple Watch app, when it goes into the always-on display mode, it, like, loses everything, by and large. Yeah. You know, it gets really, really simplified. It, it does. Justin writes in and says, for the love of God, please talk me out of installing Beta 1 on my iPhone. Justin, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. You'll regret it. You'll regret it because your iPhone's very important to you. And while you'll have those new features and you'll be really excited about, oh, look at this. I got a lock screen. I can do that. Then you're going to be like using your iPhone for the regular part of your life that isn't looking at new features. And it's going to do something bad or an app's not going to work or it's going to crash or you're going to have to reboot your phone like during the day because you tap on an app and nothing happens. And you're like, what's going on? Oh, it's a it's an early beta of iOS and you're going to be sad and you're going to be. And then you're going to say to yourself, wait. I have to do this until the middle of September and you'll be extra sad. So what I would say is wait, maybe later in the summer, a later beta will serve you better. The first beta is not for you. Don't do it. But Justin, think of how cool you'll be. Oh no. (laughs) If you have beta one on your iPhone right now, 
you'll be ahead of the curve, Justin. You'll know all of the information before anybody else, Justin. Imagine that, right? You will be right there, right now. Like, you don't just have to look at screenshots anymore. You don't just have to go to 9to5Mac or Mac Stories or Six Colors and look at what everybody else is doing. You could be in Six Colors, Justin. Yeah, you could do it. Just install it right now. I will say, I was just basically my feeling, like, it. I will say it frustrates me when I listen to podcasts and the podcasters say, don't do it. Don't install Beta 1. I think, don't tell me what I can and can't do. <laughs> yeah. Podcaster, you can't tell me what to well, do. That's, so I'm that's, just very much, if you want to yeah. do it, Justin, do it. But like, you yeah, know that's, the that's, risks. I like the reverse psychology, which is like, like, hey, Justin, do it. You should do it. Yeah, there are going to be crashes. You're going to be crashing all summer long. But who, who cares? Who cares, man? Because mm-hmm. you're going to be living on the cutting edge. Summer of fun, That's baby. That's all that matters. Summer of fun, baby. And then I'm probably going to do summer, it with Beta 2. Join me, you know? And, and, then, and then maybe you get the, the use the reverse psychology and we, we can scare him off. But uh-huh. I don't know. It's everybody take it into your own hands. I I have not put it on my regular phone. I have a I have a an, another phone, a, a sacrifice phone that has it instead. Yeah, to be fair, this question was sent in last week. It just didn't make it into the document yeah. last time. Justin may have for all we know already done it, you know, and it might be too late. Mm. Leon asks, now that the M2 chip has the fancy video media engine, do you think this will make it to an M2 iPad Pro and could therefore be a signal that Final Cut Pro is coming to the iPad? (laughs) Or will they likely just turn off the media engine on iPads? Look, there's already, I don't think they'll turn it off. There already is a media engine in the M1. It just doesn't cover quite as much of like 4K, H.264 and H.265. And like it's, it's very specific, like additions to the media blocks that happen in the M2 Pro or M1 Pro, and so therefore, presumably, then you know that stuff came to the M2 base model. Um, yeah, so I love the conspiracy theory here, which is uh, this is a sign that Final Cut Pro is coming to the iPad. I except to say that the, they could have done it with the M1, and they would have still gotten accelerated H.264 and H.265. It just wouldn't have necessarily been at the, at 4K resolution. <laughs> so. I think Apple can bring Final Cut to the iPad anytime it wants to, and it hasn't yet. So I'm not sure this makes a difference other than to say, yes, perhaps they would use a hardware release involving M2 as a way to launch new software, right? Hard to believe that they would launch a pro app for uh, the iPad if they ever do, (laughs) which I don't know if they ever will, if they ever do, that they would launch it with no hardware announcement to go with it. It seems like they would want to time those together. So that might be a good reason. Um, oh, can you imagine if it's got features that are only supported by M2 iPads that the M1 iPads don't support? Oh, man. <laughs> 17 the- apps in Stage Manager. Right yeah. I think the truth is what, what would really happen is um, the M1 will at, at export 4K H you know 264 video at half the speed of the M2 is probably how it would work out. Mm. Real-time follow-up. Uh-huh. Justin has not yet installed Beta 1 on okay. their iPhone. Don't do it. Or do it. But don't do it. I don't know. We don't know what we're talking about. The Bronze. devil and the angel are on oh. your shoulders. <laughs> do you think we'll see TVOS directly mentioned at WWDC ever again? Or was last year the swan song for TVOS getting time at WWDC? 
as the tvOS expert oh uh, yes <laughs> uh, I think that it is less and less likely as they are very clearly moving further away from developer features for tvOS um, I think we're most likely to hear about tvOS itself whenever they have new hardware that requires some new user features like I, I don't I don't think tvOS is really a platform that the wider development community is concerned about and i don't think apple wants them to particularly be concerned about like you are a very particular type of user a developer if you are developing for tvOS and that's the end of that like i i i think there's truth in that but i will say if they've got uh, an initiative that features in with tvOS uh, they'll mention it if they've got Mm -hmm. a new thing i think tvOS is not on a real accelerated development no. schedule but if they've got a thing that they're really proud of on tvOS it's going to roll out the same time as all the other OS's probably and they'll mention it but yeah I, I just I think it expect it to be a footnote for the foreseeable future yeah most definitely thank you expert on tvOS I appreciate that anytime glad you were here to imagine, handle that one imagine uh, and Sims asks Mike's first hardware review unit was the yellow M1 iMac Jason do you remember what yours was I don't think I do like Apple heart. If we say like it's an Apple computer where I have a review unit, my guess is that it was a laptop in the early two thousands. Because I, that's when I started writing lots and lots of, of laptop reviews Mm -hmm. was in the early two thousands. Certainly by the time the Intel transition happened, I was writing lots of Mac hardware reviews for Mac world. So, somewhere there but i can't i actually can't pinpoint it also in in that era you know there were times where i was editing the reviews and then i was writing some of the reviews there were some that were advanced hardware there were some where we just bought the hardware and reviewed it because apple didn't send it to us so i I can't i i don't have a very clear memory of that but my guess is if you wanted to say that it was a you know a power book from 2003 it's that's probably somewhere in there is probably when it happened. Yeah. If you would like to send in a question of your own to be read out and answered on the show, send out a tweet with the hashtag ask upgrade or upgrade upgrade hashtag ask upgrade or use question mark ask upgrade in the relay FM members discord, which you get access to. If you sign up for upgrade plus go to getupgradeplus.com and you will get longer ad free episodes every single week of upgrade if you are wondering hey where's the relay fm member special crossover that you usually do every year it is being worked on uh unfortunately due to covid it has been delayed uh it is in editing right now i am working on it every day but i don't currently have the capacity to put in the amount of time that i would have been able to put into it up to this point it is coming though it's like halfway through the editing process so far what people may not understand is that we use a lot of legacy nodes in There's making our nodes. membership content. I will actually and- say this year, the there are the most legacy nodes I've ever used. I've built up such an impressive library of sound effects now mm. that uh, I don't that I don't need to buy as many. So I'm using a lot of legacy nodes. The legacy nodes are helping me this time, honestly. Uh, but it's 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 moving through the process. Slower than usual, but moving through the process. So it is coming. I I don't know when it will be, um, but soon. I'm halfway done. 
Uh, yeah, go to getupgradeplus.com. You can sign up, help support the show. Thank you to Squarespace and Magic Lasso Adblock and Source Graph for the support of the episode. Don't forget, you can upgrade your wardrobe at upgradeyourwardrobe.com and buy some limited time only summer fun merchandise. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Upgrade. We'll be back next week. Until then, say goodbye, Jason Snow. Goodbye, Mike Hurley. 